Hello, how you doing? Welcome to the sound of the start of your weekend. That's the NTT20 betting show, sponsored by Betfair. This podcast is about betting, about gambling. George Ellick and myself, Ali Maxwell, making picks for the EFL weekend. And therefore, this podcast is very strictly for over-18s only. And we ask that anyone listening understands the risks that come with gambling and is gamble-aware. Head to begambleaware.org to understand all of the risks that come with gambling and to look at any tools that may help you with being more disciplined with your betting. We just ask that you never bet more than you can afford to lose. And don't go chasing losses or waterfalls. George, I owe a lot to waterfalls. Luke Waterfall gave me my only joy on this pod last week with an injury time winner for Grimsby at 2-1 to one versus Dale in the next best. Overall, it was one of those kind of horrible weeks where between three and five, it felt to me like everything was quite close, certainly with my picks and I dare say with yours as well. And then at 5pm, you realise it's just been another quite costly week. Uh, Grimsby, my next best, the only pick that I got up. And you hit the post with all of them, basically. Um, (laughs) Bolton got a pretty dodgy red card in the first half against Vale and drew that 1-0-0. We we had the double nap of Carlisle, who drew one all with Swindon and missed an open goal and another very presentable chance. That was tough to watch back on the highlights. Uh, You picked over 2.5 goals in Wigan Bristol City. Uh, The combined XG for that game was 3.5, but the score was (laughs) 1-1. Uh, my goals pick was admittedly very poor, but my goal scorer pick, Barley Mumba. We've been on a journey and we've never reached our destination of Barley. Uh, an incredible save with the toe of Bergstrom in the posh goal. And then to add insult to injury, Mumba won another penalty for the second weekend in a row. And of course, everyone's now across it. All the bookies. Mumba's been slashed across the board. And, and to me, that means he's lost a lot of the value, a lot of the excitement that I had in making that pick. So that was a bit of a blow. Uh, George, every one of your naps and next best this season have drawn rather than won or lost. <laughs> having made having made that speech in the, in the first episode of the um, season saying, you know, this stage of the season, I'm going to maximise the value. I'm not going to bother doing next best. So I'm going to try and land the big prices. Four out of four draws. <laughs> mm. What's your best bet in the EFL this weekend? What's your nap? Well, I've, I'm denied about whether or not this should be a draw no bet again, uh, and I'm I'm um, I'm going to do the definition of madness and go just for a straight up win. Um, I'm backing Bolton to beat Sheffield Wednesday uh, on Saturday at um, the price of nine to five. A couple of reasons for this, really. Um, if we start with Sheffield Wednesday, I'm still a big Wednesday fan in terms of where I think they're going to be this season. Um, I still anticipate they are going to be up towards the very top end of the table, and they've picked up a lot of points early this season, despite, by all accounts, not playing particularly well. Um, and I, I, even though I think they will improve, and I think the fact that we saw them come on so strong towards the, the, the second half of last season I still think there are enough concerns going to Saturday, especially after Reese James was shown a, a straight red card as well. Um, I know that he didn't start the season playing as, as the left side of centre-back. It means that Iorfa will come back in. You'd have thought to make it an Iorfa Hennigan, a Hickway, back three that, that started the season. Um, but Sheffield Wednesday fans have not been impressed with what they've seen so far. They feel like they've started the season pretty poorly uh, and up until the 2-0 defeat against Posh. Uh, weren't particularly good value for the points that they were picking up. Um, and... They go away again. Um, you know, the only other away game so far this season was a 1-0 win at MK Dons. MK Dons have been probably the worst team in League One so far. And it was the, the only game where MK Dons kind of shown showed any signs of life, really. So 
the away form um, has concerns around it too. Whereas Bolton have been incredibly impressive. Um, you know, if you told me when we started the season that Dion Charles was going to be absent for the first seven or eight games of the season, I'd have been pretty concerned about their ability to, to score goals. But they've scored um, well, at home this season. They've had three games in, in Cup and, and League and they've scored uh, nine goals in those three games. They've won all three. Um, they look to me to be a pretty well-old machine at the moment. Um, capable of creating chances. Uh, they're, they're slightly overperforming their XG at the moment in terms of their, their open play chances. Um, but they rank well um, for both in terms of, of their XG for and their XG against this season um, in set in open play and, and from set pieces as well. So at home, um, I don't think there's too much between these two sides anyway. Uh, and Sheffield Wednesday being fouls for this game, despite not showing a great level of form so far, um, despite losing a, a defender to um, to suspension, and coming into this off the back of a 2-0 defeat and showing some pretty ropey form on the road so far uh, compared to a Bolton side who've been so good at home, who've started the season so well and confidently. Um, and I guess there is a chance, you know, we, we keep hearing that Charles is, is close to a return and, and there is a chance we might we might see that on, on Saturday, which would be a boost. Um, yeah, I think the Bolton, uh, I think Bolton should probably be, you know, I think Sheffield Wednesday 6-4. I think in my mind, those prices are kind of the wrong way around. It should be Bolton, marginal favourites, ahead of Wednesday, the away side. So, um, yeah, Bolton 9-5 is the nap. Okay, I'm staying in League One for my nap. And I feel like I need a winner just to get going. Uh, 0-2 with naps. Uh, that was really what, what kind of made my season last year was the ability to pick a nap even out of the two out of naps and next best I generally made the right decision it's not started well I'm hoping that Peterborough will make it three out of three at home on Saturday and get my nap up and running for the season they're at 1.75 at, at uh, three to four with the Betfair Sportsbook and you will know after however many years we've done this how dirty I feel putting up something so short uh, but it's drifted a tiny bit, which makes me feel a bit better. I guess that would have been after Lincoln's win at Oxford on Tuesday night. And it's drifted to a price where I think of all the many, many odds-on shots across the EFL this weekend, must be upwards of 10 across the 36 games, or 35 games, Cov not going ahead. Uh, I think this is the, the best price of, of all of those um, strong favourites. We, we saw Lincoln beating Oxford in front of our eyes at the Cassam on Tuesday night. And for the Imps, plenty to be impressed with. I thought their midfield two of uh, Sorensen and Sanders did really well against what is a, a talented Oxford midfield three, uh, albeit one that, that didn't really seem to be in rhythm with each other, so to speak. But Sanders and Sorensen covered a lot of ground, did so very well. The centre-backs then in the second half defended their box pretty well for the most part from a, a barrage of Oxford crosses and long balls. And Scully playing off the left, well, I don't think he's been on great form for a while now, but on Tuesday night... He showed why he's always been, well, the last two years, he's been a pretty consistent uh, goal threat for Lincoln City. He, he picked out Hopper with a really good cross from the left uh, and then picked the ball up on the edge of the box and curled one into the far corner for 2-0 as well. So Scully on, on decent form on Tuesday night. There's absolutely no doubt that Lincoln deserved that win based on their performance in the second half. But I didn't leave thinking, yes, Lincoln and Mark Kennedy have cracked it. They look like an excellent League One team. They're ready to take on the big dogs. I think they exploited some clear weaknesses in Oxford's performance, their game plan, and also their sort of slightly vulnerable mentality at the moment. Oxford were pretty shambolic in that first half, sloppy at the back, and, and both of Lincoln's goals came from winning the ball high up uh, in and around Oxford's penalty box and then executing with quick attacks when Oxford were pulled out of position. I just don't see... 
Peterborough allowing those opportunities. I think if Lincoln do press very high against Peterborough, they'll find it much harder to exploit mistakes at the back and might leave themselves more open um, with Posh's incredible attacking depth uh, going forward. So I think Peterborough is just an incredibly different prospect to that right now, particularly at home at London Road, where it looks to me like they're very sure of themselves. Lincoln dealt pretty well with a lot of crosses that Oxford put in in the second half, but I would suggest that the crossing of uh, Long, the Oxford right back, or um, Seddon or Brown, as it was, who came on for Seddon, I don't think that is as scary as facing, as facing crosses from Joe Ward or Harrison Burrows, for example. I think Posh have much better delivery from wide areas. And in Johnson Clark-Harris, a, a much different target, a better target, particularly from crosses to, than, than Matt Taylor. They have midfielders, Peterborough, that crash the box, unlike the Oxford lads who mostly like to, to stay outside of it. Uh, and Peterborough have such a strong bench with a lot of game-changing options. We've seen that in their first home game against Cheltenham. 2-0 down at half-time. McCann made some changes, 3-2 winners. Uh, their second home game, they won 3-0. Um, barely breaking sweat, really, against Morecambe. So uh, I guess the last thing I'd be hoping is that Lincoln, you know, every team playing on Saturday has either is either playing their second home game of the week or their second away game of the week. So I kind of wanted a home team uh, as my nap, just in case that had a big impact. Uh, Lincoln perhaps a little fatigued from their efforts on, on Tuesday. Who knows? That's what I'm hoping. Peterborough, my nap. Uh, 1.75 with the Betfair Sportsbook. Next best. My next best is a draw no bet. Hey. I'm doing it. Finally pulling the trigger. Good to um, have at- you back. <clears throat> Accrington at 15 to 8 away at MK Dons. Um, draw no bet. This is a mad price in my point of view. Uh, as I just alluded to, something is is very wrong at MK Dons at the moment. They look a shadow uh, of the team that we saw last season. Um, I've got to hold my hands up and say that I, I've, I've all evident to the moment suggests that I got them very, very wrong in terms of my preseason um, thoughts. I'm, I'm a big fan of following clubs trajectories rather than focusing too much on individuals uh, and I think you can get overblown how much individuals can can impact a club and I think we kind of saw that last season with, with Russell Martin moving on but the club continuing to progress but despite liking a lot of the signings they made in the summer um, the loss of Twine and the loss of Darling seems to have really thrown them and um, currently MK Dons sit bottom of the of League One they are also last in the uh, league in terms of XG created just 1.24 from their game so far um, second bottom for XG created from from set pieces uh, defensively they are I mean sound-ish I guess kind of ranking mid-table for that but they're anybody who's watched MK on so far this season says the same thing it's disjointed there's no real clear style of play there's no idea of, of really how they they're looking to, to to attack which is just so totally at odds with what we've seen from mk in the last couple of seasons either under martin or, or last season under Liam manning um they take on an accrington side here who um have, have massively overperformed their own xg so far but have looked capable you know we saw them go to um, burton in that bizarre four-wheel draw but i think you always kind of know that John Coleman is a manager where you're you're going to get um, a fair bit out of him, and they're unbeaten so far this season. Um, they they went to Shrewsbury and beat them one nil. Uh, they drew with Charlton two all, and I kind of think in terms of the, the the profiles of the clubs at the moment, to have a, an MK Dons team who are having a bit of an identity crisis, who, who aren't really sure what they're about, up against an Accrington side who know exactly what they are, um, and. I think we'll relish the opportunity to go to a playoff side from last season and 
um, really kind of shove their noses into the fact that they've had such a, a bad start to the season. Um, so uh, yeah, I think they're twenty nine to ten with the sports book to win the game, which I've also backed. But because the MK Dons games have been fairly low margin so far this season, um, you know, defensively their their issues are certainly attacking wise rather than defensively. I think they were fortunate to get the win, um, their first win of the season. Um, on uh, on Tuesday, which I should correct myself, did did, li- did lift them off the top of, sorry, off the bottom of, of League One. But in my mind, they've been the poorest team so far, and, and they take on a side Nackington, who are way overpriced to to come back uh, with something from the game. All League One so far. I'm staying there. Ipswich to win to nil against Shrewsbury. My next best at three point four with the Betfair Sportsbook. Uh, so this is because, well, I think people know that I'm quite a big fan of Ipswich and how they play under Kieran McKenna, the control they exert on games. That is already in evidence this season. It's been an excellent start. Uh, they have, through four games, faced the fewest open play shots in the whole EFL so far. Um, they faced eight, eight shots fewer than anyone else in League One in open play, and they've taken the most shots in open play so far in League One. In fact, they've taken uh, seven shots more than the next best uh, open play team in League One in terms of shots. Uh, Shrewsbury are yet to score a goal from open play. So I don't think this is a particularly good opposition for Shrews to come up against when they're probably feeling like they haven't quite got going yet in terms of their general play. They have got uh, a set-piece goal and a penalty as well to their name so far this season. And in general, their performances have been solid, not spectacular. Uh, Ipswich were very poor in midweek. It's worth bringing this up. They beat Burton 1-0. People would have looked at that on paper and thought, yeah, Burton started the season terribly. Ipswich looked very good. This will be a comfortable win. They did win it. They won it to nil, but not at their best. I think Burton were pretty um, profligate in front of goal. Uh, and Ipswich fans just a little bit concerned about the, the performance on Tuesday night against Burton. My suspicion, my stance, I guess, if you like, that's what we need on this show, is that a repeat of that low performance level is unlikely to happen again this Saturday rather than likely to be repeated, if that makes sense. Uh, I... I trust McKenna and his staff. I trust the the squad. I just trust the quality of this Ipswich side to make sure that a poor performance is going to be mostly a one-off, is going to be mostly the exception to the rule, uh, and they should be back in business this weekend. I've not got loads more to say. I waxed lyrical uh, on the Monday podcast about what I think about Ipswich and the way that they play. I'm in danger of going over the top about them, to be honest, but that's how I feel. That's how I see the game. Uh, I think that when they're on it, they are as pretty close to a complete football team, which you don't see very often in the EFL. Uh, and I think they can exert dominance in all areas, both uh, on the opposition goal, but also in keeping them well away from it uh, at League One level. They've kept, get this, George, 27 league games under McKenna since he was appointed. They've kept more clean sheets than they have conceded goals. 15 clean sheets in 27 games, just 14 goals conceded. And 12 of McKenna's 14 wins in the 27 games have come to nil. So that's why I'm backing Ipswich to win to nil at 3.4, that price for the Betfair Sportsbook. Don't forget that it's bet 10, get two with the Betfair Sportsbook, which means if you bet £10 on EFL Ackers this season, you'll get a £2 free bet. The terms and conditions are in the bio uh, of this podcast in the description. So you can make sure that you check out those. But it's bet 10, get two. Bet £10 on the EFL Ackers this season, you'll get a £2 free bet. Onto the exchange, George, where we've got a double lay. Who'd have thought it? A double lay. And perhaps not surprising that both of us, having been at the Kassam on Tuesday night, are laying Oxford United. And we've been matched, both of us individually, at 1.55 this morning, Thursday morning. 
They are the shortest price in the whole EFL this weekend on the Betfair Sportsbook. So we are taking on the team that the Betfair traders think is most likely to pick up three points in the EFL. And that seems perfect for the lay bet. They are at home to Morecambe. And I'm going to let you talk for the most part about Oxford because you've been to their last two games rather than me just having watched on Tuesday night. But uh, generally, I think it'd be fair to say that I thought they looked very muddled. I thought they did not look like a team that had played quite a lot of good football over the last few seasons and had a pretty repeatable attacking system and, and knew how to both progress the ball into the final third and then knew what to do with it when they got there. Um, none of that really, which was what I was hoping and expecting to see from a Carl Robinson Oxford United side. I thought in the wide areas, which are so crucial, I would say in the modern game, central areas tend to get pretty flooded now. There's not a lot of space there. In the wide areas, it just didn't work at all. Um, the wingers, Bowden and, and Brown, played on their sort of quote-unquote natural sides. Brown on the right, Bowden on the left. Right footer and a left footer. Didn't think it worked at all. They were going outside. I don't think either of them likes going outside and crossing. I think they're both more goal threats, personally, cutting in. Uh, it also meant that the fullbacks didn't kind of have the, the natural space to overlap and, and deliver crosses themselves. So that didn't work for me. I think Oxford have lost ball progression at centre-back. Um, it is only 90 minutes. I didn't think Finlay... The left centre-back looks nearly as good on the ball as his predecessors, plural, uh, Atkinson, Dickey, whoever whoever you want to mean. Uh, and given that him and Moore had the most touches of the ball and there'll be a lot of games where the centre-backs have the most touch of the ball, that's an issue. That's, that's going to cause a, a drop-off in what you can do with it. Uh, then there's the injury issues, which you might touch on. Uh, I don't think Oxford are in a particularly good place at the moment. And I think a Derek Adams-Morecambe side is a suboptimal team to face in that position. Uh, I'd expect their shape to be very good. I'd expect Morecambe's defensive appetite to be very large. I'd expect Derek Adams to have them absolutely bang up for this. Uh, and I think if Oxford's vulnerabilities continue, Morecambe can feed at that. So uh, can feed off that rather. So at the shortest price in the whole EFL this weekend, I'm laying Oxford at 1.55. I mean, you, you basically said you're going to let me talk about Oxford. You made all my points, so not much to say <laughs> eloquently as well. So um, I thought yeah, I would been... do the eloquence, and you can do the the emotion. You could do the like Oxford well, fan TV version. It's like it's um it's as you say, it's been pretty surprising to see given that not a great deal has changed from last season. You know, if you look at the, the Bristol Rovers game on Saturday, for example, 10 of the 11 players that started at Oxford were at the club last season. So, and that was a club who who did very, very well until the last six or seven games of the campaign where things slightly unraveled. But in terms of, of goal scoring, attacking play, attacking style, it's always been very clear that that is Carl Robinson's strength. I do wonder if, and he's alluded to it in interviews, um, if Oxford have tried so hard to um, improve defensively that it's come at the cost of of that attacking vigour. You mentioned there, um, you know, Seddon and, and Long, the fullbacks weren't overlapping. Regardless of personnel, a, a massive part of, of Kyle Robinson's Oxford has always been the overlapping fullbacks. You know, I wouldn't necessarily consider either Sam Long or Josh Ruffles as attacking fullbacks, yet there was a season where they seemed to get about 40 goal involvements between them because of the the style that, that Kyle wanted to play. Yet this season, you know, on um I, I definitely agree that in my opinion, especially with Matty Taylor being a lone striker, you need to play a very narrow front three if you're going to play a three because he needs support. And I would also have um, Brown and Bowden on, on switching sides and therefore playing much narrower and being able to come inside onto their stronger foot and having the fullbacks overlapping. But that hasn't been happening all season. And even though Long and, and Sedden are, 
are getting a lot of criticism from Oxford fans, um, which I don't necessarily disagree with. I think both need to be improved upon. Um, there seems to be a, a lack of desire to get them to the byline, which I think must play into an attempt from Oxford to be more solid. And, and for the most part, it's kind of worked. You know, Tuesday night's game against Lincoln was was the first time in the first half where Oxford looked all at sea defensively. Defensively, up until that point, they looked very, very good, undone by a set-piece goal against um, Bristol Rovers and, and just a brilliant Conor Harahan strike against Derby. Um, there hadn't been many criticisms about the the defensive side of things this season so far until Tuesday night. Some Oxford fans, you know, this is where the data side of things will, will point to the fact that Oxford battered Lincoln in the XG on, on Tuesday night. I'm sorry, but it's very easy to look capable and competent when you're 2-0 down at home to a side who um, didn't probably expect to get anything out of the game coming into it. So, yeah, Carl said after the game, um, you know, it, it's often with any manager important not to, to pay too much attention to what a manager says after the game, especially when their name is Carl Robinson. But he seemed to suggest that this game had come around too quickly to do any major work in terms of, of, of change of shape or change of style, which means I'm, I think we're going to set up in the same way. Except Marcus Brown, who left the pitch in tears holding his knee. He's had, I think, two very serious knee injuries in the last couple of years. Um, and he'll be a massive loss to Oxford as well. So going to be weaker in terms of personnel. It doesn't sound like there's any incomings um, on the way in the next 48 hours. We'll have to be 24 hours in order to get them to play on Saturday. Um, so for Oxford to be... If Oxford and their current guys, I think along with MK Dons, not only are they disappointing but I, I genuinely think that Oxford and MK are two of if not the two worst sides so far in the in, in the league this season um, Burton were in that but as you say Burton I'm going to be uh, I know you were getting with Ipswich so maybe the narrative changed a bit but Burton battered Ipswich uh, and, and showed a completely different side of their game um, which uh, well they, they showed a level of performance that, that completely blitzes anything we've seen from MK and, and, and Oxford this season so I would probably have those two as, as possibly the two worst teams in the league so far and they're still being priced up uh, separately, understandably because of the quality of player they've got. And, and, you know, there's no denying that on Saturday we could easily see a, a massive uptick in performance because we know that the ceiling is so much higher than what we've seen so far. But you've got to go by what you've seen on the pitch. And, um, you know, the atmosphere wasn't good on Tuesday night. There were boos um, at half time. There was, you know, total silence at full time. And if Morecambe can get their foot in the door and start this game up, start this game well for the first time in a long time. I think there's going to be um, a big outpouring of dismay and frustration, um, which probably won't lend itself to a, uh, a good home performance. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's early days. We've been here before as, as Oxford fans, but it's in terms of a betting prospect, being able to lay Oxford at home at the, or being able to lay Oxford in any game at the moment at, at near enough two one. <laughs> Uh, has to be taken because there's no way if they, if they put in the performance that we've seen in the first few games of the season that anything like that to win this game. My goals pick is swinging for the fences. I'm afraid. I sort of came at this this week thinking I just need to get I just need to get a winner in the goals section, uh, and I've left with a team to win and over 2.5 goals double. There are two teams. Oh, one of them goes directly against one of your picks already, so that's exciting. There are two teams that I think can win and score goals one of them there isn't necessarily much evidence of that happening yet this season but at the start of this week I just thought to myself rather than rather than trying to pour too much over the early season XG data which can sometimes be misleading 
I would try and think about teams who have had it tough so far, but who I, if you think of it like a, a bottle of ketchup that you can't get the ketchup out of and you're kind of shaking it and shaking it, then at some point it all just flies out. That's what I'm trying to get in front of for the team you've called maybe the worst team in League One so far this season, MK Dons. Uh, so they are... Out of interest, I'm not just saying, but what, what, what's the difference between that and, and Oxford? Wouldn't an Oxford ketchup bottle as well? Could be. <laughs> Could be. Yeah. But they're also the shortest price in the whole EFL to win this weekend, which I'm not Correct. sure really works. Uh, so MK Dons are playing against Accrington. A lot of this is to do with Accrington as well and, and stats-based. I know it's been bad so far for MK Dons. There's a chance that it's one of those where actually you realise that the lid is still on the ketchup bottle. That little film is still over the top. And so you're shaking and shaking, but it'll never come out. Uh, or it's a simple blockage that could be shaken free. We might find out this weekend. I'm not writing them off just yet because, and this is a reason why you've liked them up until this week really, is is because of the people involved at the club. And maybe this is the difference with Oxford. My perception is that MK Dons are unlikely to get emotional and make rash decisions or or veer hugely away from, from what they might call the process compared to a, a slightly more emotionally driven Oxford United and and, uh, and their staff. So, you know, this could all be complete rubbish. Of course it could. But this is also partly a, about Accrington and Accrington away from home. Uh, last season, away from home, Aki conceded tonnes. Uh, overall in the campaign, they conceded three goals or more 12 times in their 46 games and eight of them were in their 23 away games. They've already conceded four once this season against Burton. Aki are not a team that generally keeps teams at bay. So I just think quite a good opponent in a way for MK to come up against if they're ready to play. And we also know there's a way that it plays out where Accrington bully them physically, score goals from set pieces. There's different ways of looking at this, but they're the first leg of my team to win an over 2.5 goals double the other one are Charlton uh, Charlton to win an over 2.5 goals against Cambridge is at 2.88 Charlton looked pretty sexy on Tuesday night I think it's fair to say uh, they tucked away Argyle 5-1 they looked excellent even before the red card which which might have sort of slightly massaged inflated those numbers uh, Raksaki on debut with a cracking performance and uh, Garner Ball was in full flow so it's been two really good performances one in defeat to to Sheffield Wednesday and then one beating Argyle and I think that's really raised the excitement at the Valley. Cambridge, similar to Accrington, there have been certain games away from home since the start of last season that have just been too much for Cambridge at the risk of sounding condescending. Um, they are so excellent in, what, 75% of their games in, in League One um, but away from home, well, they conceded three or more in seven of their away games last season and six of them were against teams in the top eight. So my takeaway from that is there are certain teams who can reach a certain performance level where travelling away, Cambridge can't match it uh, and and are vulnerable to conceding plenty. They've already conceded four at Pompey this season, so I'm not convinced that they've got over that yet. So I think if Charlton are in really good nick and Cambridge... If they're a bit beaten up after travelling to Pompey and getting smashed, then goals could flow. So, uh, speculative, of course, uh, MK and over 2.5 goals against Aki. Charlton and over 2.5 goals against Cambridge. The double is just over 7-1, to 8.05 with the Betfair Sportsbook. Uh, Betfair's Bet Builder allows you to combine selections easily into one bet. With Betfair's popular Bet Builder, you can easily add the trending Football League Bet Builder selections to your bet slip in one tap. You'll find them easily on the Betfair Sportsbook. That's the popular bet builder. A goals bet, please, George. I'm going under two and a half goals in Swindon against Rochdale. I, I can't really make sense of this price at all. It's 20, 20 to 23. So I think under should be 
kind of heavy favourite here as it is for most of the rest of the league. Rochdale are as blunt a an attacking unit as you're ever really going to see. Um, then they are creating very few, if any, chances pretty consistently. Um, again, going back to the XG well, apologies for those who, who don't appreciate it or don't enjoy it. Um, but they're, they've amassed 1.59 in their game so far. They've scored one goal from open play. Um, and Swindon are similarly pretty toothless, 2.01, and they've scored two. So you've got two teams who are, um, from an attacking point of view, very poor. Um, Swindon have the worst XG ratio against in the sorry XG against in open play in the whole league of 5.28. So that would maybe concern you. But when they're the odds-on favourite to win the game and they're playing up against a side who are so poor defensively, it doesn't really bother me at all. Um, I yeah, I'm, I'm amazed that we're getting um, yeah pick and price about about unders here. I I, I think Spindon have looked like a poor side this season um, and. Uh, I don't think either team, I, I think I'm right in saying, uh, Swindon certainly um, haven't yet had a game um, that has, yeah, it's been so far this season, it's been nil-nil in League and Cup, nil-nil, two-nil, one-all and one-all. So all four of their games so far have cupped, have copped for unders and exactly the same can be said of Rochdale so far, one-nil, two-nil, one-nil, one-nil. So eight out of eight um, unders here have, have copped and I think it's a good matchup to do so again. Um, so yeah, under two and a half, twenty to twenty-three, a strong one from me. Goal scorer pick to finish us off, and this does not happen very often. And with apologies for people who like us to have our own hearts and minds, it's another joint pick. It's a double goal scorer. And George, repeat after <laughs> me, Troy Parrott. Double goal scorer, and George, repeat after me, Troy Parrott. It's clever because his name's Parrot. Uh, Troy Parrot to score any time at seven to two for Preston against Watford. George, why is this a double pick? Because he's missing so many chances, mate. <laughs> I'm yes. a slave to the data, as are you. Um, yeah, he Troy Parrot is having a very fun time at Preston. Is it fun having so many good shots saved yeah, yeah, somehow yeah. by goalkeepers? I reckon he's buzzing going into work every day, being like, "Yes, this is exactly good. what I want to." Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, Infogold tweeted a couple of days ago. Um, Troy Parrott is yet to score in the championship this season. Only West Brom's Carlin Grant, two point three eight, has a higher expected goals xG tally in than the Preston striker at two point one seven. So he's already got up to two point one seven. Preston, we are pretty confident are a good attacking side. They've had two nil-nil draws this season, which have been ridiculously open games. So they are due uh, some goals. Um, they are hosting Watford. I continue to be pretty just nonplussed by Watford, really. Um, they start the season in electric form. Um, but since then, Emmanuel Dennis has left. Ishmael Yassar was injured on Saturday, but seems set to leave. And has also taught that Joao Pedro could be leaving. And even though... Um, Nicky Minaj got off to a... Hey. <laughs> uh, Minaj got, got his first goal. I, I think Bayo and Minaj um, up front. Obviously, Keenan Davis has come in as well, but it's still not quite the same attacking force and threat, especially given that those three played together last season uh, and Pedro and Saar before that. Watford look a pretty different team to me now. Um, and Preston, I think, will go into this confident that they can, at the very worst, create some chances. So for Parrott to be 7-2 to two, to score any time uh, when he is quite clearly due... Uh, a goal seems too good to pass up. Imagine when Menage scores a hat-trick. The Menage à trois headlines are going to write themselves, aren't they? They are going to write themselves. Yeah, he just looks so on it, Parrot. He looks 
incredibly different to this time last year. He looks much more like the starlet that we were promised by Spurs fans two years ago when the loans began. Maybe that's not surprising because he was very young when those loans started uh, and, and players take time to, to grow into themselves in senior football, um, creating his own chances with good feet, running in behind, right foot, left foot, second most shots in the league. You mentioned his XG. He'll be baffled as to how he's not scored yet. Uh, some of the, the shots he's taken have been brilliantly saved, but he's not doing too much wrong. I can't see any clear issues with his finishing. I think it's just a matter of time and luck. And the team's creating for him. Preston being one of the teams I've been most impressed with so far this season. Tough opposition in Watford, but certainly not perfect. They've conceded in both their away games so far. Parrot, the most likely goal scorer for me, for Preston at 7-2, to two, for you as well, to score any time. Troy Parrot, the joint goal scorer. Right, let's finish there, George. Why don't you recap your selections before we let you go? My nap is Bolton, uh, next best Accrington draw no bet against MK Dons. That was Bolton to beat Sheffield Wednesday, I should say. Uh, laying Oxford as a U, uh, at home to Morecambe at 1.55, under two and a half goals, Swindon versus Rochdale, and Troy Parrott to score any time at 7-2. Come on, come on, big week. Uh, my nap, Peterborough, 1.75 with the Betfair Sportsbook, and my next best, Ipswich, to win 2-0 at 3.4. Uh, onto the exchange, we're both laying Oxford at 1.55. I've got a team to win and over 2.5 goals double. That's MK and over 2.5 goals against Aki and Charlton and over 2.5 goals against Cambridge. The double at 8.05 with the Betfair Sportsbook. And the goal scorer, well, Barley Mumba is no more, sadly. We lost that battle. Will we win the war? Troy Parrott can help us here. Spread your wings, Troy. Score anytime, 7-2, Preston against Watford. Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the NTT20 Betting Show. Let us know if you enjoyed it. Let us know what you agree with or not uh, at NTT20Pod on Twitter. Huge thank you to Betfair for their support of this podcast. And we'll be back on Monday to break down the weekend. We're looking forward to it already. Go well.